How many of you are dog lovers? Any dog lovers here? You're going to love this picture I'm going to show you. Watch this. Isn't that adorable little French bulldog? Um, there's a lady that used to go to church here. She lives up in the northwest now. She, she bought a, a little puppy for her husband for Christmas. And she wrote on Facebook, Hi, this is Daisy, an eight-week-old French bulldog Casey registered. I've just bought this for the mister for Christmas and surprised him tonight. Joe is allergic to the dog. So I'm having to rehome him. I don't want any money for him, but would like him to go to someone in time for the new year. Must spoil him, someone who can help keep him in order. He's 42, cooks, cleans, <laughs> works a lot, but we do have some good times together. He, he works, so he has his own money as well. I don't want to do this, but it's not fair to him that he's allergic to my new dog. So <laughs> I don't know if that really happened or she just made that up, but it sure was funny. You know, sometimes it is time to leave home. And that's the story of the book of Acts, the people who got very comfortable in their faith. And God says, you know what? For all these years, people would come here, come from all over to, to come to Jerusalem. He says, but now we're going to turn the tables. We're going to, it's going to go out from here. We're going to leave the home. We're going we're to take God to the, to the nations. And so if you're new, if you missed last week, we just started a, a new series through the book of Acts. And we just got up kind of the introduction to it last week. Acts was written by a man named Luke. Luke was a Gentile convert. He was a companion of the Apostle Paul on his missionary journeys. And he wanted to write a history of what happened with Jesus and this whole movement of Christianity. And so he wrote a two-volume work. Volume one is the Gospel of Luke, and volume two is the book of Acts. And both of them start off at the very beginning addressing a man named Theophilus, that this was written for Theophilus. Theophilus means lover of God. And we don't know if that's an individual or just a blanket term for anybody who loves God. But whether it was an individual or not, we know that all of Scripture was written not only for the people of that time. You know, sometimes letters were written to churches. Uh, sometimes, uh, like Psalms, was written for worship for a people in another time period. But every Scripture that's written in here has a benefit for readers in other cultures and other time periods, including us today. So we benefit from reading the book of Acts. And really the message of the book of Acts is something that we need to be very tuned into because it does affect us. What is the, the message of the book of Acts? The message is that Jesus' ministry continues through his followers, just like us, through his Holy Spirit. Three um, themes come up again and again and again. God's people and God's spirit and God's purpose, um, God's, God's people that are called to follow him, God's power that is given through his Holy Spirit, all working together to fulfill his purpose um, in our lives. And so we're going we're gonna to pick up in uh, the rest of chapter one, that we're not going to get through the rest of the chapter. As I got into us, there was too much material. So we're only going to go through the first um, few verses of this section. So Acts chapter one, verses six through eight, because there's so much in here. Um, that we need to talk about today. So here's what it says. Luke continues, so when they had come together, and this is all those disciples, uh, not just the 12, or minus Judas, but there's a number of other people that have gathered together to listen to, to Jesus. When they come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." 
what they're learning here is the things they need to have in place in order to be successful in the work that Jesus is, is asking them to do. I'm going to send you out of here, but here's some things you need to have in place. Um, it has to do with the, the kingdom of God. It has to do with the spirit of God. It has to do with the mission of God. All these things, he says, you've got to have a right perspective of it, a right understanding of it. And so we're going to look at all three of those because I believe they all have an effect on our lives as well and how effective we are in carrying out God's purpose in our lives. And so first of all, we need to have a right understanding about the kingdom, the kingdom of God. This is a term that's used in scripture. We don't use it a lot. We'd prefer to talk about the church, but in, in Jesus' time, they talked a lot about the kingdom. In fact, um, it says just a few verses prior in, Luke, in, in uh, Acts, Luke wrote that during the 40 days that Jesus was risen, see, he rose from the dead, he stayed on earth for 40 days and then went to heaven. During those 40 days, he talked to them about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And think about this. If you were one of those disciples and Jesus rose from the dead, wouldn't you be paying attention wouldn't you have your pen out taking notes? I mean, think about it. If, you're, if all of a sudden your grandparent, you know, your grandpa came back to life and said, hey, God raised me from the dead. You go, and I've got something to tell you. He'd go, oh my, I better listen to this because whatever he's going to tell me is really significant. So he's telling them about the kingdom of God. It's not something new because this really was the whole theme of Jesus' ministry. Back at the very beginning when Jesus started, he was, he was baptized. He then went out to begin preaching in Mark chapter 1. We learn about Jesus' message. It says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand, meaning it's here. Why? Because the king is here. Wherever the king is, that's where the kingdom is. And so the disciples want to know more about this. They, they have a a picture in their head of what the kingdom looks like. And when I say that word to you, you probably think of maybe uh, an epic movie series, you know, when they talk about kingdoms. We think about kingdoms, we think of there's a king, there's a, a group of subjects or the people of the kingdom, and then there's a territory, like a realm of the kingdom. And so you think of a physical place, that's the kingdom. And that's what they were used to because they remembered back in the old days all the different kingdoms, especially when David was king or when Solomon was king. Those were the good old days. And so they're thinking, hey, Jesus, you just defeated sin. You just defeated death. Man, I'd really like you to defeat these Romans. Let's get things back to where they were before. And Jesus goes, no, nah, not, not quite so fast. See, one of their misunderstandings was they thought the kingdom was just for Israel. Are you going to give it back to us now? It's our kingdom. No, it's not your kingdom. It's God's kingdom. And God all along had intended that Jews and Gentiles together would comprise his people. But here's the big difference. You don't get in by your biological connection, connection to Abraham. It's not your relationship with, with Abraham that qualifies you. It's your relationship with Jesus. And some people who have the biological connection to Abraham aren't going to be part of the kingdom. And some people who have no biological connection to Abraham will become part of the kingdom. Why? Because of their relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the ticket that gets you into the kingdom. And this is going to be really hard for, for people to understand in those days because even as you go through the book of Acts, the Jewish people wrestle, the Jewish Christians wrestle with the fact that hey, these guys, they've never been circumcised. They, they don't observe the Sabbath. They don't do the traditions that we were growing up with. So why should they be part of this? And God says, because it's, those are all like stepping stones to get to this place, to get to this place. This is what's critical, that, that they have a relationship with me. Another misunderstanding was this idea that it's going to be a kingdom like the kingdoms of the Old Testament. 
See, if you have a, a maps in your Bible, like at the back, some of you have maps, you can see a diagram of where the different tribes of Israel were in location to each other and the capital city, Jerusalem. So you open up and you look at the ancient Near East and there's all these different territories. They're physical, they're outlined, almost looks like countries. And did you know today there's still, there's a handful of, of um, kingdoms still in our world today. The kingdom of Bhutan in Asia. It's a very small kingdom, but it's a kingdom. The, uh, the, the islands of Tonga are a kingdom. And so we aren't used to that because our culture doesn't have a lot of kingdoms anymore. But when people think of kingdom, you're looking for a map with walls and borders. That's our place. And this kingdom that Jesus is building doesn't have walls. It's not confined. You can't put it on a map anywhere. In fact, it's more like this. If, if you ever saw one of those pictures that show a night uh, view of the world, like it's all dark blue and there's little dots of light, and sometimes you can see like where London is because there's bright lights or New York City or Los Angeles because there's a brighter light there. But there's all these little dots all over the map, all over the world showing civilization. It's kind of like that map. The kingdom of God has, has infiltrated the whole world. And so you can't put a circle or a line around the territory because it, it infiltrates every nation, every continent, every place where there are people because wherever people have surrendered to the king, they become part of that kingdom. Now, from Jesus' perspective, there aren't six, king, six, six kingdoms or there aren't a hundred kingdoms. There are only two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light. And the kingdom of darkness has a lord, little L lord, a boss, a figurehead named Satan. And when you follow sin and when you reject God's will for your life, you're actually saying, I like his plan better. Because Satan's will is really just kind of the opposite of God's in almost every area of life. And so if God wants this, Satan wants this. When I say no to God, I'm saying yes to Satan. And so we grow up saying yes, even though we don't know who we're saying yes to, and we go down this path and we become part of the kingdom of darkness. But anytime someone gives their life to Jesus, surrenders to his kingship, says, you are Lord, that's another word for king. He's my Lord. When I surrender to Jesus as Lord... I get moved from one kingdom to the other. In fact, Paul writes about this in the book of Colossians where he says, he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So we get to shift kingdoms. The other thing that they kind of messed up about this kingdom is thinking that it was future. It's yet to happen. Now, there are some aspects of the kingdom that are yet to come, but, but Jesus really was saying long time ago, it's already here. The kingdom is in your midst. In fact, he told his disciples, here's what you should be praying, that God's, God's kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When God's will is being done, when the king is being obeyed, the kingdom has come. And so whenever someone decides to make Jesus their Lord, they become born again. They get, they get moved into the kingdom. In fact, you cannot be part of the kingdom, Jesus said, unless you are born again. And when we're part of the kingdom, our whole lifestyle should be this, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingship in every area of life. Because when you do that, he'll take care of all your basic needs of life. He'll take care of you. But your job, my job, is to seek first his kingdom. And so when these disciples left home and they start to spread out around the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and they go out to further areas, they preach the gospel of the kingdom. See, we are so prone to tell people, if you accept Jesus, you get to go to heaven. And we oh, that's what being a Christian is. I get to look forward to the day I die and get to go to heaven. And we, we fail to tell people, no, this is really what it means. 
If I accept Jesus, it means he's my Lord. It means I've surrendered my life right now. He's a good king. We just sang about it. He's a good king. He's a strong king. If I surrender my life right now to the king, I'm part of his kingdom now and forever. And we don't have to wait till heaven to have the blessings of heaven. We can start enjoying them here on earth now. God wants to give us so much in his realm of the kingdom, and it's when we surrender to, to him as our Lord. So when uh, the disciples go out, it says, when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and, and women. Preach the good news of the kingdom, because the, uh, the, the kingdom is good news. So why were they baptized? Well, here's what baptism symbolizes. When someone goes into that water over there, it symbolizes that I am, I am being put to death. I am, I'm being knocked off the throne of my life so that Jesus now can reign. I need to die so he can live in me. Now, physically, I don't die. It's a, it's a decision. It's a spiritual decision. I need to move off the throne. I symbolize it in my baptism because Jesus is now king. And I hope you've done that. Because that's the starting point of this journey of being part of the kingdom. So we need to understand the nature that we are helping to expand the kingdom of God. Secondly, we need to know that, that we must depend upon the spirit of God. The spirit of God is connected to the kingdom of God. The kingdom age is the age of the spirit. We'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks when we come to the day of Pentecost. But these disciples, which now are all fired up, Jesus rose from the dead. Let's go conquer the world. He says, not yet. Slow down. You're not going to do it on adrenaline. You're not going to do it on emotion. You'll only be able to do this and sustain this through the Spirit of God. One of, the, one of the last teachings Jesus gave to his disciples in the upper room, remember he gathered his disciples, they ate a meal together, he told them many things. And in John chapter 15, one of the things Jesus told them was this, apart from me, he said, you can do nothing. You try doing this without me, you'll fall flat on your face. You need me. Now, the Holy Spirit is so essential that even Jesus needed him. Did you know that? When Jesus started his ministry, um, he was about 30 years old. He went to the river. Uh, John the Baptist baptized him. And you might remember that scene when something like a, like a dove descended on Jesus. It wasn't a real dove. It descended like a dove. Remember what descended on him? The Spirit of God. Why? Because he's getting ready to go do the works of God. He needs a spirit. He can't do it on his own. He needs God's power within him. And so he goes out into the wilderness. He's tempted for 40 days. He, he keeps rejecting the temptation Satan gives to him. And then it says this. In one of the Gospels, it says, and then Jesus um, left there in the power of the spirit. Why? Because he needed the spirit. He needed to, to do ministry in the spirit. You, think about this. If the Son of God needed the Holy Spirit to do the works of God, how much more do you and I need the Spirit? I mean, we can do some things, but not, nothing that's going to make a big difference or last. We need the Spirit of God. And when the Spirit of God is working in you, you'll do beyond what you're able to do. See, he says the, this, the Holy Spirit is, is this power that comes upon us. You'll receive power. And, and we like power. We, we like power in our trucks. We like, like power in our phones. We, like, you know, we just like power. I mean, think about it. You could ride a bicycle to the north end of town or you could drive your car. What do you like? Power. You know, you could, you could sweep your house or you could vacuum. Man, you, you got this powerful thing sucking up all the dirt, does a better job. Said, man, that's awesome. I could dig a hole in the ground or I could get a backhoe and dig a lot deeper faster. Well, what's the difference? Power. Power enables us to do so much more. I, I read the other day that 
Um, this is the first generation, the millennial generation, the first generation that will not have, not make as much money as their parents. And that may be true because uh, there may not be the same opportunities, though I've, I've known a lot of young people who become very wealthy through technology and things like that. But uh, across the board, they won't be as prosperous as their parents. However, I would add this. There never has been a generation who's tapped into power more than the millennial generation. I mean, think about this. Think of your grandparents compared to the kids growing up today. Uh, Our kids now can, with the touch of a button, order food delivered to their house, have furniture brought to their house, regulate their temperature and their sprinkler system, pay their bills, read the newspaper, even work off a little device. Think about that. Isn't that incredible? Why? Because they've, they've leveraged the power of technology. I mean, we have so much access to things that prior generations never had. We have, we have more privileges and opportunities. I mean, it's just amazing. I think when I first flew on an airplane, I mean, I was 22 years old. And it's not like I grew up in the backwoods somewhere. 22 years old before I flew an airplane. Most preschoolers will fly before they start elementary school. Why? Because just the access, you know, prices have come down, power is available to everybody. I mean, we have access to all kinds of power. Who would have thought of the day when, when we'd be driving down the road, right next to us would be this very desirable electric car? I mean, twice this week, I was behind a car with a little T sign on the back, thinking, man, I wouldn't mind having a Tesla. They're pretty awesome, pretty fast. It's great cars. Why? Because we've learned how to leverage power. Think about this. If power has enhanced our physical lives this much, how much would a spiritual power enhance our spiritual lives? See, we have access to a power that people prior to Jesus never had access to. They had to grind it out, learning those scriptures, living for Jesus, loving their spouses, loving other people, forgiving all on their own. I have the the power of the Spirit working within me. And so... Uh, it's such, such a great thing that, that Jesus has offered to us his Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit is a person who comes live inside of us. He's not a force. He's a person, which means he wants to communicate with us. So we walk with him, meaning I want to be sensitive to him. I love what J.D. Greer says in his book, Jesus Continued. He says, uh, many people look at Christianity as a set of beliefs to adopt or a, or a pattern of lifestyle to implement. But he says, really, it's a relationship with a Jesus that lives inside of us, a a dynamic, day-to-day relationship. And so I just find a lot of times Christians are very oblivious to what the Holy Spirit does, but he wants to work within us. You know, one of my pet peeves, and if you pray this, I would encourage you don't pray this anymore. But a lot of times I hear people pray like, Lord, be with us today. Be with us as we've gathered um, be with my child as they go to school. I just want to tell you, G- we don't have to pray for Jesus to be with anybody. He said he's never going to leave. So we're, it's almost like we think like Jesus got sidetracked and wandered off. Jesus, would you come back? Could you come back? We really want you to be here. I think Jesus is saying, I've been here all along. Why don't you just acknowledge it? Why don't you tap into me? Why don't you listen to me? Why don't... Why don't we say a prayer like this? Instead of saying, Lord, be with me as I go to school today or to work today, say, Lord, thank you that you are going with me. Thank you that you promised never to leave me. Even when I have a bad day, you're not going to leave me. And Lord, I want to listen to you today. 
I want to I wanna be filled with your strength today. I want to be filled with your love today for the people around you. Why don't, why don't we pray prayers that acknowledge his presence rather than asking for what's already there? See, I think sometimes we think this Holy Spirit is like a, I don't know, like a commodity, like gasoline. You know, I need more of the Spirit. Uh, but this, the, the Spirit is a person. And if you're a person, you're either all there or you're all not there. You, it's not like the Holy Spirit puts a little bit in. I got a little bit of the Spirit. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's there, he's not there, he's a person. And so sometimes we go to places and go, oh, the Spirit was, was moving. It's, you know, I think the Spirit was always there. It's just that people are responding more to the Spirit. That's what we desire. Sometimes the Spirit can, can fill you with joy. Sometimes the Spirit can make you very humble and, and reflective. Still the same Spirit, still the same power, hasn't changed at all. It's just that we have to recognize His presence and listen and be sensitive to what He's doing in our midst. And so this Holy Spirit, as He's working with His disciples, Jesus says He's going to assist you. He says in John 15, a little later in that chapter, when, this, when the helper comes, that's his word for the Holy Spirit, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. The Holy Spirit is the helper. How does he help you? Well, he helps you by giving you courage, filling your heart with love, giving you peace, uh, opening doors for you, giving you the, the right words to say. Um, the Holy Spirit will give you victory over temptation. The Holy Spirit will... Uh, maybe allow you to cast demons out of people. I mean, the Holy Spirit will help you. But, but one of the main things the Holy Spirit will do, Jesus said, was he will bear witness about me. He, in other words, he will talk about me. Now, how does the Holy Spirit talk? Through you and me. Which leads us to the third thing that's essential for accomplishing what Jesus wants us to accomplish. We need the Spirit of God but then we need to have a commitment to the mission of Jesus. The kingdom and the spirit are all, all enabling us to participate in the mission. Jesus says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses. What's a witness? Well, think about that. Um, the word naturally makes us think of a, a trial, a courtroom. And that's exactly, it's a legal term. And so in the Bible, it's used of people who are speaking truthfully of what they've heard, seen, or experienced in some other way. They're testifying. They're witnessing to what they know to be true. And so we may think that this is something new, that God's all of a sudden calling his people to do something they've never done before, but that's always been God's desire. You know, back in the Old Testament, God called the nation of Israel to witness about him. Listen to this. This is from the book of Isaiah. God says to them, I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you. And you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Listen, it's like God's telling the people, now let's, let's make sure we're clear on our roles. I am God. I do the saving. You are my people, and you do the witnessing. I do the saving, you do the witnessing. And I love that arrangement because I can't save myself. I can't save anybody. But I've got a mouth, sometimes talks too much, but I can talk. I can talk, you can too. And that's what we have to do. We have to tell people what Jesus has done for us and what he can do for them. And I know sometimes uh, people think that witnesses are for people with the gift of evangelism. They're just really good at that. They can share their story. No, it is something we all should be good at. You know, I think it's kind of sad sometimes that many of us have relied on bumper stickers and pencils and, uh, and T-shirts to do our witnessing for us. I mean, really, 
people aren't going to be won over by those cutesy slogans. Here's a few of the t-shirts that um, are out on the Christian market. I don't even know if these are Christians who make them. I don't think they are because these are crazy. Listen to this. This is a t-shirt. Catch up with Jesus. Let us praise and relish him because he loves me from my head. Tomatoes. (laughs) Would you like to know that, Jesus? No, but I really want some fries right now. (laughs) Yeah. Or how about this one? Base your life on Christ. Okay, that's not quite as bad. It was you who he died for. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And then this is the worst one. Want to talk about Jesus? Let us pray. Let us pray. Yeah. Now, if you own any of those T-shirts, burn it. <laughs> people, are gonna, people are not going to read your T-shirt and go, that's the Jesus I've been looking for, the one with the, ta- the taco guy. That's, that's the one I want. No. What people want to know is what will Jesus do for you? I mean, sometimes you think like, I don't know the Bible that well. You know, I'll tell you about a guy that didn't know the Bible that well. He was a blind man. And Jesus made a little mud and spit in it, put it in the guy's eyes, prayed over him. The guy began, he washed it off and he could see. And the religious leaders started questioning him like, like, we've known you our whole life as the blind guy. Now you're not. What happened? Who did this to you? Where is he? What, do you, what can you tell us about this guy? And the blind guy got so annoyed with their questions that he says, listen, I don't know who he is. I've never seen the guy before. I was blind. But this is what I know. Once I was blind and now I see. You know, sometimes all you need to tell people is not the whole story of Scripture. It's, you know, here's what I used to be like. I used to be grumpy. I used to be negative. I used to be, have a hard heart. I used to be unforgiving. I used to be addicted to things. Um, you know, whatever it was. I used to be a really bad husband. And you know what? I gave my life to Jesus, and now I'm this person. And I can't explain to you how it all happened, how it works. I just know I'm not who I was. And, you know, that's a powerful story. Yes, you want to learn the Bible. You want to add to your story and understanding of Scripture. But don't feel like you, ha- you, you got to put it on hold until you master this book. You don't. That guy didn't. He just said, here's who I was. Here's who I am. You can do that, can't you? Now, you may think, my story's not that dramatic, Pastor. Every story is beautiful. Because here's one thing you find out about the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit's filling a person, you just get this burden to tell other people. And, and you just can't keep quiet about it. That's a sign the Holy Spirit's prompting you. Because why? He wants to bear witness to Jesus. And when you're done bearing witness to Jesus and you leave, you know what the person is left thinking about? Not you and your story. They're left mostly thinking about the Jesus you talked about. Why? Because he always puts the spotlight on Jesus. That's the focal point. And so when you share your story, it's not about you. It doesn't matter if it's a great story, dramatic story. It doesn't matter. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. Tell someone about it. We need a commitment to be his witnesses. And God has put some of you in some very unique places. The school you go to, the ladies group you're part of, the, the organization you work with, the guys you golf with, whoever it is, God has put you in a position. And I want to ask you, will you start praying, God, use me? Holy Spirit, speak to me. Tell me what I need to say. Tell me what seeds I need to plant. I, I love it when I watch a football game or some sports activity, and afterwards they interview the champions. And they'll ask them about the game and stuff. How'd you do this? And that was awesome. And then when someone will say some, something like this, like, I just want to give 
credit to my God who encouraged me or helped me through this. I mean, I've watched guys with black stuff on their cheeks and they've got a cross symbol. I kind of think there's a message there. I wonder sometimes if God looks down from heaven and says, you know what, I don't care about this football game, but I sure want to hear someone talk about my son, so I want that team to win. If I was God, I'd do that, wouldn't you? I, I don't blame God at all if you'd do that. Because it's all about Jesus. It says in Mark um, 16, 15, going to all the world and proclaim the gospel to all or to the whole creation. Going to all the world. And so here's, here's what they were called to do. Start in Jerusalem. Here's a picture. Um, go into Judea, Judea and then Samaria and then keep going until you reach the ends of the earth. And in their day, they thought the ends of the earth was like Rome. That's as far, I mean, they didn't have satellites and stuff that we have. They didn't know where the end of the earth was. And we've discovered it was a lot, the world was a lot bigger than they knew it to be. And so the work was never finished. It's up to you and me. And so we, until Jesus comes again, we're going to be telling people about Jesus. And you know what's really interesting? Is you can actually speed up the coming of Jesus by being a witness for Jesus. Because he says, Jesus said, when the word, word gets out to all the nations, then the end will come. So you, know, you and I can speed up the coming of Jesus by getting the word out. But you have your own Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. It may not be literally Jerusalem and there. It may be your house, your neighborhood, your school, uh, your region, your nation, and keep going until people in the world know as well. And that's everybody's job. I want to um, introduce to you Scott um, Price. Scott and Anel uh, went, well, they were in retirement, and God began to stir something with, within them saying, God still has more for us to do. And so they wanted to know how they could be used by him. He took them to Tanzania, Africa for 19, 20 years. And uh, they came back just a few years ago. But I have to tell you, they've not lost their heart to reach the nations for Christ. So Scott, tell us why you're dressed so weird. Are you cold today? I am. Um, But that's not why I'm wearing this. I'm wearing this so that I stand out a little bit. Anybody else have a shuka on in here? No. Okay. So I'm going to be out back in the foyer And the reason why I want to stand out is because uh, Global Missions needs your help. We're looking for people who have a heart to reach the nations for Christ. And whether it be your city, your state, your nation, or your world, we need your help. So if if you've ever been, your heart's ever, I don't know. Stirred? Stirred or... I was going to use one of those Disney things where you Twitter paid it or something like that. Um, that you've thought about it but never done anything with missions. We want to educate you about how to do that. How do you get out into your city? How do you get into your nation? How do you get around to the world? We want to educate you to do that. So, And we are looking for some specific people, people with a skill set that uh, is in accounting um, whether you can do financing, uh, if you're a great prayer warrior, or if you're an administrator. We need all those things uh, to get this uh, ministry up and running to reach as many people as we can before the Lord returns again. So if you have an interest in that, please see me. I'll be in my shuka out back uh, because there's a lot of activity going on out there. You can find me a lot easier that way. Okay, thank, thank you. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. You know, I, I always had like a heart to do something like that. And it wasn't until I was in the early 1990s, I went to Africa and saw that God could use me that I came back and says, you know, I want to do more of this. There's a big world out there. 
You don't have to go overseas to do it. I remember hearing a pastor once say, you don't, have to, you don't have to cross the sea to be a missionary. You just have to see the cross. And that's true. When Jesus has impacted your life, you fall in love with him. You just want to tell people near and far about him. And so we're going to sing a song just in response today to offer ourselves a hymn that God would do greater things through us. So go ahead and stand where you are. I mentioned last service, just a thought that came to my mind. When I think of these two kingdoms that exist in this world, the kingdom of light and kingdom of darkness, God is sending us out kind of like a SEAL team. You know, we're, we're going undercover and we're trying to rescue people from the kingdom of darkness to bring them into the kingdom of light. You may have a son or daughter. You may have a mom or dad that's in the darkness. You may have a friend who's trapped in the kingdom of darkness. And God wants to use you to help bring them into the, into the kingdom of light. And when you think about that, we, we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, so we are the sealed team. We're the sealed team to go out and to make a difference because His Spirit lives within us to enable us to be victorious. So let's pray that God would do greater things through us, greater things than He's ever done before, that 2020 we would see people come to the Lord, that we've always longed to know Him because we offered ourselves as His witnesses. Offer yourself to Him today.